Hey, everybody, it's Tony Bruschi. If you're following the Idaho College murders case as closely as we are, we invite you to check out the podcast that we have started, focusing specifically on that case, covering the events, the updates as they happen. It's a whole separate podcast from anything that we're doing. It's put on by our crew at True Crime Today, and we hope you get a chance to check it out and join in the discussion as well. There's a Facebook group for it uh, as well. Just follow the link in the description here or search University of Idaho Murders Podcast for Killed for What wherever you download podcasts. This is a preview, a full episode, our latest one, uh, covering some of the latest developments in the case thus far. True Crime Today. This is the ongoing story of a small Idaho town and its residents, a tightly knit community that hasn't seen a murder since 2015, an environment where one thought they could feel safe and secure, until a quadruple homicide stole the lives of four young souls on a mid-November evening, leaving far more questions than answers. Where will the investigation lead, and how do we get there? This is the University of Idaho Murders podcast. Four killed, for what? Welcome to the program. We are uh, at episode three now, and uh, we are on the 29th of November of 2022 as of the recording of this at about five o'clock at night. Uh, it is Tony and Sean Reed with you on today's uh, episode. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a quiet couple of days since our last show that we put together there has been little bits and pieces here as far as anything big or breaking or, oh, my gosh, maybe we have some answers. Uh, I don't think we're we're there at all. Yeah, I think right now there's uh, less is more when you hear information released from law enforcement. It's going to be very important. So much of the same uh, mm -hmm. folks that are continuing to be discouraged and uh almost requesting a plea to to tell us more uh we all need to take a collective breath understanding uh the less information that we continue to hear as the days go by we can only assume and take confidence and reassurance that there is more and more going on behind closed doors leading up to some definitive information and hopefully a suspect it's like the wild west out there right now people making their uh allegations or their conclusions or their theories on this or that and uh, a lot of you know holes being punched through some of them and some uh, other questions just kind of slowly coming up uh, as these very slowly uh, uh, onion peel layers uh, get kind of peeled off here one thing that i, I i'm still kind of I'm, I'm wondering about um is you know how close are they to having a a truly having a person uh, of interest in in mind, I, because we're we're on week three here. I'm I'm wondering if they did have that person of interest, wouldn't they have searched their home or their residence by now if it was someone in the community? I mean, that it, would be it, it, it assumed. Yes, again, yeah. we're not aware of what is happening outside of speculation, but aside resources that as we talk to you are currently working the case on the local level. Moscow Police Department has four detectives, 24 patrol officers, and five support staff dealing exclusively with this ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. On the state level, Idaho State Police has 20 investigators, 
Public Information Officer, ISB Forensic Services and Mobile Crime Scene Team, as well as 15 uniformed troopers to assist with community patrols. And then on the federal level, uh, FBI has 22 investigators in Moscow currently, 20 assigned agents located in addition to the 22 investigators out of the Treasure Valley, Idaho office, Salt Lake City in West Virginia, as well as two behavior analysis unit agents. So you have the rumor mill, you have the uh, speculation that's on one side of the line in the sand. And on the other, you have all of these people not multitasking. That is their sole role, in addition to the up to one million dollars allocated by the governor of Idaho uh, to crack the case and to get some momentum on finding a suspect or narrowing it down to a person of interest. And that's the scary thing right now is I don't think they really have one. Brian Entlin, uh, who's a reporter with News Nation, uh, did a interview earlier today uh, with the uh, prosecuting attorney in Moscow. And he said, uh, this is the prosecuting attorney, we do not have a name of a person or persons who are actual suspects. Uh prosecuting attorney uh, also uh, said uh, that uh, they have made uh, progress eliminating possible suspects, but don't have a current suspect or person of interest in the university of Idaho murders. Brian even had said something like, so there's, there's not anybody you're holding back on talking about to, you don't want to compromise the case. And you're just not saying at this moment. And he said, not to his knowledge. And this is, again, an attorney, correct? It's the prosecuting attorney in the city of Moscow. So, again, you have to sadly become a uh, participant when you think of watching Law & Order. The verbiage and words that are used, and more importantly, not used right now, because there is so much fluidity and you don't want to hopefully mm -hmm. screw your case when somebody is caught, there's very selective words that are being used. You, mm -hmm. you obviously can't give all the information and you have to be very smart in what words you use because when they do ultimately find somebody or how close they currently are, then they can go back and use it for or against them. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that it's and again, or I'm just kind of, you know, sitting here giving my assumptions. I, I would think that if you have someone, a party of interest here uh, in this or a person of interest or a suspect in mind, three weeks in, the, the first thing you would want to do if you did have someone you were suspecting is get into their residence. If there are, there's any evidence there, if there's anything trying to be hid, they'd have three weeks now to hide it. Uh, if they've not gone in anywhere, which tells me they don't have anybody. And with the prosecuting attorney even saying that this afternoon, I honestly feel like there there's this hope that there's somebody that they're kind of watching. I think that's why there's been so much pressure on people like the the boyfriend and the neighbor and all this. And because people, they want their villain. And I don't think you're, these people are necessarily the villains. I, I really don't. Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly appropriate to look at everybody. I feel like they, they have been in the first couple of weeks there. Everybody say, well, what about this? What about that? A lot of those holes have been poked into uh, this sort of thing. Uh, and to that point, they have seized the vehicles that were parked in the uh, parking lot, if you will, right by the residents that uh, obviously many of us have seen them 
when we first tuned in to two and a half weeks ago and yeah. then all pictures and b-roll throughout those vehicles including some of the uh, roommates vehicles have been seized that's in the last 24 hours of this recording so hopefully that will uh, perhaps find some more evidence or cross-examine or or further prove dna results what uh, law enforcement has officially released who is not believed to be involved so again you say that somewhat as an asterisk they're cleared but uh, the two surviving roommates in the home, uh, the male that was in the grub truck twitch surveillance video, uh, private party driver who took Kaylee and Madison home in the early mornings of Sunday, November 13th. The male Kaylee and Madison called numerous times. This, of course, is referring to the ex-boyfriend during the early morning hours of November 13th, uh, as well as any individual at the residence when 911 was called, which we now know, of course, it was the two surviving roommates, uh, as well as a friend or friends that they called over uh, when they woke up and became, of course, uh, uh, very fearful of one or more roommates, which they believed were unconscious, which I read before. And, and you can correct me. Additional information you found out, Tony, is that uh, we had thought, how would you call 911 and say your roommate is unconscious? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you see blood? Uh, I read somewhere that the roommates' doors, at least the one that they thought was unconscious, was, lo was locked. Mm -hmm. So they didn't go into the room and see such a gruesome scene. They they just um, they obviously didn't hear anything. And they called nine one one, so they did not see uh, the horrific scene until law enforcement arrived. And there's a lot that's not known about what happened in the house that morning, including how many people were exactly there. Um, so it, it does because the, the friends got called over before the police got called over. And as it seems to turn out, the person who called 911, uh, on, on their phone, uh, was not one of the, the other two roommates. It was a friend that, uh, is dialing 911. Uh, and, and perhaps it was because, uh, you know, another friend or somebody was unresponsive. There's, there's the, the possibility in there that the 911 call wasn't even made uh, necessarily about the murders, that it was possibly a friend or something that, uh, you know, was really passed out and drunk that was staying there. Uh, again, speculation, uh, but it might have been something like that. And then they started looking around and realizing, oh, my God, because uh, from what we've heard, the two roommates that that did survive were freaking out, running literally out of the house. Uh, and then the other, there was other friends that came in and then the police were notified shortly thereafter. Uh, I and think if there's it, any, if there's any sneaking suspicion of, okay, why would the nine one one call come from one of the roommates phone, it but it's not the roommate on the phone. It did. I apologize. So the, so there's, there is updated information that yeah. the nine one one call. It's came not from, from her phone. Nope. What, one of the two additional roommates. Yeah, it's believed that it was one of the two additional roommates' phones, but it was not one of the the, the deceased. Correct, correct. One of the the two roommates who were not um, uh, involved in killed. the direct yeah, yeah. murder. Yeah, correct. Exactly. The alive ones, the ones who are still alive right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Their phones, one of their phones, I should say, but not specifically them. And if you're wondering, well, okay, why would somebody else use? Um, your phone to call and not you. Well, it, you have to imagine the hysteria that they're in to your point of, of absolutely being so distraught 
that you can't talk to a 911 dispatcher. So perhaps somebody in the friend group that was a bit calmer or has the ability to speak effectively to 911 and allow the other friends yeah. to to cry, to to go crazy, if you will. Uh, that would be a reasoning that that may have occurred. Once that 911 call is released, it's going to tell us a lot more about exactly what happened. I don't know why they're not releasing it. I'm assuming it's something to the effect of uh, just keep your, your uh, cards close to the vest until you have a clue as to who you are investigating here. The, an interesting comment was made uh, yesterday morning. Nancy Grace was being interviewed on something, and she said... The perp is most likely not a convicted felon because he's not popping up on uh, AFIS or CODIS. Uh, and that's telling me a lot about who this is. It can be construed, construed that it wasn't that direct of a statement, kind of a little slurring of words there in her excitement, uh, and uh, that she thinks, I, I think, is what this was said because there's been no talk of DNA. Uh, there's... We're assuming they're collecting lots of it right now, but it's never been brought up in any sort of official manner other than um, what Nancy Grace was speculating about the other night. But one would have to assume everybody's thinking, well, where could you get the DNA from the person? Well, there was a one girl who did seem to attack back uh, pretty well. And if if she got her fingernails there, that would probably be the first place they're looking for getting uh, some clear DNA on who this is. If this person, in fact, is not showing up uh, in there, if she somehow had some sort of in, inside knowledge, uh, that says more about who this is because that would be a database of uh, convicted criminals and people who have been caught for this or that all over the country that don't have a record if they're not in there. Uh, likely then that if that is the case, you'd be looking at more of a profile of a younger person uh, as well. Uh, so there, there's, that's another interesting point that's, uh, that's come up. There, there has been so much scrutiny though on, uh, the, the people that people seem to so desperately want to have an answer, uh, or the, uh, the, the boogeyman, uh, Jeremy Reagan, uh, who is, uh, the neighbor, uh, across the street, uh, people, you know, asking, why is he talking so much? Why is he doing an interview? Why is this or that? And uh, he actually came out with a statement a little bit uh, earlier, but this is uh, some audio from one of his interviews uh, earlier. And uh, my opinion on this guy is I, I don't think he really has anything to do with it, but take a listen and judge for yourself. So, yeah, apparently I'm famous on the Internet now for something that I didn't do. Uh, about people just basically comparing me to Daniel or Stephen McDaniels. And then just going through all of my social media history, just finding posts from a decade ago, and just saying, oh, it must be him. Obviously, it's him. He's done interviews. Why else would he do these if he didn't do it? He wants to be close to the crime scene. I didn't do it. I have nothing to hide. I'm willing to give DNA, fingerprints, whatever they need. But, yeah, it's just, it's just upsetting being compared to a murderer when I didn't do anything. I'm naturally an awkward person. Um, just my mannerisms, the way I talk. A lot of things have been online about, oh, when he was talking, he went from present tense to past tense in one of his sentences, um, partly because everyone corrects themselves when they're talking. And so just my natural person, I'm a little bit socially awkward, so I might smile at points that I shouldn't. I might make weird hand movements when I shouldn't, stuff like that. And so people have sort of keyed into that and said, oh, he's a weirdo. He must be this killer. And so it's just stuff like that. And so... 
Plus, I think it's the amount of interviews I've done because I have a problem saying no. Because if, if it's not going to hurt me physically or financially, I might as well help someone. And his alibi? I sleep. Um, I went to bed around 1130-ish that night. And so I didn't see or hear anything. I'm Correct. Yeah, I didn't know any of them. Um, I had seen them just walking around when I would take my dog out. So I would recognize them, but I didn't actually know their names because I just don't stop and introduce myself to people. That's just, um, as I had mentioned in one of the other interviews, I usually carry a weapon on me now, whereas I didn't used to when I moved up to Moscow, um, just because it was such a safe community. That was a court TV interview that was posted earlier today on to, uh, Twitter. Uh I kind of, I feel bad for the guy, you know, I, I, I can, I get it. He's socially awkward. He talks a little bit too long, a little bit too much. And yeah, someone asks you a question. Yeah, that's, I get it. That's, that's how I can be too. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he really reeks of anything, uh, bizarre going on here. Uh, for this gentleman, if he doesn't do any interviews, he is then asked, Oh, what are you hiding? Why are yeah. you not? Why are you not in front? Don't you want to help? If he does too many, oh, he wants to be close to it. This guy is not yeah. in a good position. Uh, uh, I, too, would agree with, but, but has that friend, maybe you're that person, that people, like, oh, why, why are you so awkward? Why, why are you so judgmental? How about you let me be me? Mm-hmm. So for this guy, I appreciate that he is trying to give justification and reassuring people that he really doesn't need to reassure. The only people he needs to make sure that his alibi and everything is good is uh, people that can arrest him and yeah. find somebody guilty of this horrific event. So uh, tough go of it for this gentleman, but everybody has an elevated sense of fear within the community since the murders, the stabbings, uh, Moscow Police Department has received 78 calls, 78 in a town of 25,000. So if you're listening in a major uh, metropolis <clears throat> throughout the country, maybe maybe 78 mm-hmm. isn't a lot in the last two plus weeks, yeah. but uh, 78 calls for unusual circumstances, 36 requests to check the welfare of loved ones, an increase from 70 and 18, respectively, for all the month of October uh, for Moscow PD. Uh, In addition, officers uh, responded to the incidents. Not many did they file reports, but they are urging the community uh, for any life, safety, and emergencies uh, to call 911. Don't overthink it and, oh, well, is this to the level? I know they're getting flooded right now. If it's an emergency, call 911. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting statement made uh, uh, earlier today, Aaron Snell, who uh, his job title is the Idaho State Police Communications Director, uh, saying that releasing the profile could cause additional panic of, of who they believe this may be or the type of person that this may be. Kaylee's dad has made the point numerous times uh, on television interviews requesting that the police tell the public uh, in his Fox News interview, he mentioned finding out that other people people suffered beyond this attack. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, if you were to break that down a little bit and, and try to figure out what the meaning is with all of that, uh, why would this cause additional panic to t- say, Here's what we think, who we think it could be. Does it, because it like describes 40% of the male population in the town, 
Uh, and it could likely be almost anyone. Is that what they're saying could cause additional panic? Uh, I think I, I, everybody is elevated right now. Someone can blink wrong looking at them in target uh, and they all of a sudden, oh, it was you. So I think it's a very broad <sighs> yeah, I, I, description I, of someone or someones yeah. that we're all becoming private investigators and detectives ourselves already. So one to perhaps give us even more information that we can actually roll on because it was vetted information. It becomes more of a hindrance than a help. I, I would think if they had a more clear direction on this, uh, unless they were withholding because they needed the time to get more evidence to arrest someone, they, they would at least say something about a suspect. Like maybe they look like this, you know, it's, I don't know. Something. Because right now, not saying anything, I think it already puts us in this same place of we would cause panic if it's describing a large population of people there. I think people already feel that way uh, without hoping that maybe it's some sort of serial killer that's into another city now or something. But the is there any merit to having this situation in real time and as every day, every hour, every minute that goes by, no updated, solid, concrete information, uh, that because we have become so used to, something is, there is going to be a finality to it. Uh, we, we hear about manhunts and lockdowns, and they only last, what, 12 hours? maybe a half a day We're in three this is weeks. now three weeks yeah. so there's really nothing to compare to law enforcement whether it's on the local level uh the state or from a federal of what guidelines they really should or shouldn't use because for me the only experience i have with what information they should or should not release to the public in an ongoing situation where they're they're trying to track down a suspect who has murdered someone is watching law and order there's no yeah. real life situation that i know <laughs> or halloween that, i mean I, I or almost, halloween or a movie yeah. right i mean that's what i almost feel like this is for the people living there they're walking can't imagine yeah. the agony that they're going through having having to try to sleep at night good luck yeah. when your daughter or sister or you know best friend's killer is still out there what what's really going to be scary is if this is just goes straight to a cold case for a long period of time and there'll be a lot of waiting and wondering of, is this going to happen again? It's very bizarre that nothing has come uh, out of any of this yet. It's very, very bizarre. Um, there's a lot of things out there. And uh, the city of Moscow actually uh, has been updating their website. Uh, it's ci.moscow. You say it Moscow, but it's, it's spelled like in Moscow. Uh, .id.us. Uh, and they have information that they, they're calling it the King Road Homicides on there. Uh, and it, it's dispelling a lot of rumors. So if you're on the message boards, if you're on the Facebook pages and groups and all of that, uh, there's a lot of information Then people will say this or that and they'll have this theory and that theory. If you're curious enough, you can go over to this place. And I found it to be very resourceful. And, and it kind of it lines out like a lot of the frequently asked questions and it's continually updated as new information comes in. Like for example, just yesterday they learned that the two surviving roommates, there was a 10 minute difference in when they returned home on the timeline as to where they initially thought it was. Does it appear to make much of a difference in anything? No, but it's good to have 
the facts correct because this is a large equation that's going to have to be put together and and we'll be going back to a lot of these different areas uh, as as the time you know continues on. Well, it's one of those things, once we fall down the rabbit hole of this person says this and this mm-hmm. person says this, I mean, Instagram alone, you look at the last post that Kaylee made, it's the the group picture that you see everywhere, where depending upon what picture you see, the surviving roommates are shown or their faces blurred out. There's almost an argument going back and forth on Instagram comments on the picture. This would be a good resource to use if you do not want to argue and you're literally just trying to find out, okay, what vetted information is out there? Uh, The city of Moscow has done a great job. And to your point, not only a a list that is one and done, it is an ongoing updates. And if need be, vetted information is changed to be as honest and forthright as we can to to all of us that want to know, but at the same time, keep the integrity of the ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way that it, this stuff is being communicated uh, to the public as well, the, the word targeted is being used uh, quite often, but they're not really saying what they mean by it being uh, targeted. Even uh, one of the sisters, uh, Kaylee Gonclave's sister, uh, Olivia actually went on, uh, an interview earlier and gave some some of her feelings on this. This is when she talked uh, with uh, Chris Cuomo on News Nation uh, last night. It's really difficult, especially because law enforcement is kind of throwing around this term targeted. Um, but we don't know what that means. And it almost makes it feel uh, alienating because we don't have any more information on that. Um, I, I don't know who that target was. I don't know if it was all of them, if it was one of them. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. The family really very much, I think, in the dark uh, as, as well. I mean, I think everybody's in the dark, quite honestly. Uh, a lot of people really hoping to find some answers here, but still uh, not a whole hell of a lot uh, to to base this on as they continue to try and update the timelines. Uh, Some of the other questions that have been uh, asked, and I know we're kind of all over the board here on this because there's just a little bit of this there, a little bit of that there. And there really isn't a, um, a cohesive way to put any of this together right now. I feel like we dumped the puzzle box out and now we're just kind of moving puzzle pieces to the general area that they think that we should have them in. And like, there's some blue sky over here. There's some trees over here. These likely work together and slowly some of this will come together, but it's just a freaking mismatch box of pieces that, um, you know, we don't know about, uh, the dog people have been, you know, having uh, thoughts about that. I, I asked the other day and I haven't found a real true answer to it is was the dog looked at for uh, DNA evidence or did it get kind of passed around a little bit too quickly? Uh, the dog unharmed turned over to animal services and later released to a responsible uh, party. There's speculations that uh, the ex-boyfriend uh, of one of the girls uh, is the one that's taking care of it. One of the guys who's also constantly being pointed out uh, and saying, what do you think about this guy? What in, you know, so far there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence pointing at him uh, at least as of not now, other than just speculation and people like to jump towards the conclusion of it's an ex-boyfriend. Um, 
I, I don't know. Uh, nobody knows, but it doesn't seem to go that way. And people are very much on their uh, train of this must be that. Uh, reports of skin dogs, that was covered fairly early. There was a skin dog that uh, was found uh, earlier in the year. Uh, they determined that that was not part of this. I don't know how you determine that. Like, what, what was this from? Like, maybe if it's just completely uh, not connected. Um, forensic evidence is being collected. As, as everybody goes, I wonder if they caught that over there. I wonder if they, they got that down there. I think they got, you know, once the federal investigators came in, it's being combed quite well. You see a lot of people in there in suits and doing uh, very detailed work. Uh, it's, it's, it's not just the local police that are, uh, are in on uh, any of this. Uh, and what they have done is they have, and, and obviously if you are listening to this in Moscow, you are already aware of the boundaries that they've blocked off, north, south, east, and west, a couple blocks in either direction uh, to really <clears throat> comb through every single piece of possible evidence, uh, understanding it may not be just in the parking lot of the home or just in the backyard. 113 pieces of physical evidence as we record this have been collected and taken to the Idaho State Police Crime Lab, approximately 4,000 crime scene photographs have taken trying to put together that puzzle to ultimately find a person or persons who did this, uh, multiple three-dimensional scans of the residence. So there's a, you know, you, you think CSI, you think any and every documentary slash show uh, which is based somewhat or 100% on fictitious made-up script material, uh, this is actually happening in real life to do all they can to uh, solve this mystery. Over 488 digital media submissions, emails, texts there's uh, a, by community uh, members to the FBI. There's a uh, vigil that's going on on uh, uh, this evening, actually, the 29th. Uh, or is it Wednesday? Um, let me take a look at this. because uh, I believe it was set and then it was moved. Um, I believe it's tomorrow. tomorrow. It's it is tomorrow, tomorrow it is because tomorrow it was supposed to happen special. before Thanksgiving yep. Day break, but because everybody yep. was a bit alarmed, they yep. waited. They Plus, people it. were out of town. Mm -hmm. So it's going on tomorrow night. Uh, and the, the reporting from Brian Entlin again uh, that the they they do not have a name of a person or persons uh, in, involved, but they are uh, aware of concerns that the killer could show up at the vigil, which sometimes this sort of thing happens. Uh, and, and he said, the uh, this is going back to the uh, prosecuting attorney in Moscow, uh, we understand there is community concern and fear. What I can say is our detectives are on top of their game. I'm guessing after that event tomorrow, they may have a few more people to question. Uh, and it may lead absolutely nowhere. It may be just some socially awkward people that they end up talking to. Or you may have someone there. It would be quite a, a ballsy move to show up at something like this if you were the one behind it. But it's quite a crazy move already of, of killing these four people. And it seems that people who do things like this, they're kind of missing that piece of, uh, of their brain, uh, understanding uh, appropriateness of, of things of that nature. That's where you get uh, many other cases where you find out the killer's showed up to things of nature of a vigil or a funeral or things similar to 
But I would not be surprised if they do end up looking back in video at some point and going, oh, look, there he is. Or she, equal opportunity offender here. They'd have uh, to have, they'd have, there'd have to be some strength there, I think, though, based on what, and, and rage can make you do crazy shit. Uh, it, I'm going to go, I mean, profiling, yeah, you, you do go and say uh, guy, male, but yeah, I, I, it could possibly be either. No one, I think, is is out of it at, at this point. You talk about the person or persons to have enough uh, balls to go to the candlelight vigil uh, set for Wednesday night. Uh, obviously, that's that's a pretty bold move. Equally bold to carry out these events. I'll tell you what is also equally bold in the sense of courage is family members of these victims who offer up time uh to be interviewed yeah i don't know about you but if, if if this was somebody that was related to me a cousin a friend even a classmate that i didn't even know i assure you i would not be in a place to want to calmly talk about this and to give a plea a respectful plea to law enforcement i would be uh i would not be in a good place so I think I'm I would sending be, just a yeah. lot of a lot of uh, a lot of love to family members that are able to compose themselves enough to give us information as we're wanting to continuously know more and ultimately find somebody. I think your goal is to get the person found. I think I, I would be a mess, but my goal at that moment would really be, uh, you know, justice. Um, and I would be talking to anybody and everybody I could. And if I felt like things weren't going well or something uh my voice would ring a lot louder because if, if i were a family member of the person uh if you were to point those things out versus anybody else and again that doesn't necessarily mean that things aren't going well but if you voice your frustration you know it maybe stirs the pot a little bit more uh but i i'm honestly looking at this i think the pot is stirring as fast as it possibly can move at this exact second some pretty um, easily understood pieces of information, but those wondering forensic evidence and collected and well, you know, isn't, isn't it processed by now test results and such, of course, uh, we're not going to find any of that out, even if it has uh, understanding this is an ongoing investigation, the results of DNA or matches or not, uh, we are surely not going to be the first to know as the public. Yeah, and it's going to take time with any of that sort of thing, especially if they're going into genealogical DNA. Uh, that could take uh, even more time. That would be something where they would be uh, either asking someone blatantly to submit their DNA because they believe a family member is a possible suspect if that family member is refusing uh, and if it's refused, uh, then that's where you have your private, uh, you know, investigators or, uh, or it's undercover investigators sitting at the Starbucks waiting for someone to sip on a coffee and throw the cup away so you can get the DNA. Uh, and that stuff takes a while. So, uh, I, I think we're in for a long journey on this. I, I really, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't feel like they're going to come to a conclusion anytime soon. Uh, and that's all we got for right now. That's uh, that's kind of the midweek update on this horrible tragedy uh, in Idaho. Uh, four killed for what? You can check out our Facebook discussion page. Uh, just search for the uh, University uh, of Idaho Murders podcast. Four killed for what? Uh, and uh, you will find us the Idaho College Murders. Four killed for what? Podcast uh, up on 
uh, Facebook groups to join into the conversation there. Always interested to hear the theories. Uh, and there's a lot of them right now. And uh, we slowly get the drip of information. We'll continue to discuss it right here. Be sure to press subscribe so you don't miss any updates uh, as uh, we continue to follow this horrible case. Until next time, if we're Sean, I am Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to this edition of Four Killed for What?